0: injustice. A couple weeks ago, uh, about 40 or 50 people from St. John communicate with me through Facebook chat. And a couple of weeks ago, a member who has, a family member who's ill, uh, getting elderly, communicates with me in Facebook chat, said she needs my phone number. And so I, I gave her my phone number, and then, then she said that uh, uh, she was having some difficulty with Facebook, and, and she needed to get some medicines, and she said, uh, you can help me by this connection. She gave me some numbers. Now, unfortunately, it wasn't the member with an elderly family member who was ill, and she didn't even need my number. I got hacked. And so what that meant is the wonderful hackers uh, put online that I was moving and selling all my possessions, and so the next few days in church, people are calling up the church office and say, "Oh no, Pastor Muse is leaving. We can't believe it." Some people said, "Pastor Muse, why are you leaving?" Someone said, "Do you need help packing?" I said no. <laughs> okay. <sighs> and then I found out people contacted me like the next two weeks. They had all sorts of items for sale and said, "Pastor Muse." I'd like to buy your gator. I heard it's half off. And I told him I wish I owned a gator. <laughs> and then someone was willing to buy my golf cart. I said, I only wish I had a golf, golf cart. And then somebody's willing to buy my side-by-side refrigerator. Now in our home, our refrigerator is only so big. I said, I don't have one. And even last week, somebody contacted me. And so for about 100 people, I had to tell them I got what what? Hacked. And even last week, somebody wanted to buy something from me and said, I wish I had that. Now, I'm not a vengeance of God type of person, but right now, when people use a pastor in ministry to hack people, I'm praying to God, please, God, I know your God, send a little bit of justice their way. Okay? But then there's generosity. And so Tuesday, uh, about 50 of us, we went to the Ark and we were in a chartered bus and said that we're going to eat at Culver's on the way back. Now, there, there's something, I was a, a director of Christian education, all my bus trips were, were, were with teenagers, so I'm not used to riding with adults and, and, uh, and, and people my age. And so we stopped at supper for Culver's and said, man, Culver's going to get slammed. But, but they really had a unique way of doing it. Uh, they had three cash registers, and all of us from the bus had to use a second and third, and they kept the cash register open for people off the, off the streets that was being rather generous. And then I heard about this football game in which the defense only had 10 players on the field and I'm thankful for their generosity as well. So there's such a thing as injustice and such a thing as generosity that I'm thankful for. Now, Piaget is a child psychologist and he deals with child development. And children about the age of seven or eight, Uh, they, they go through a phase where they no longer think concretely but they can think abstractly. Now, I'm gonna share with you what I mean. So, pretend, by the way, any parents or grandparents here, pretend that, you know what I mean? Pretend this is chocolate milk, and your six, seven-year-old wants some chocolate milk, and there's two of them, and you go get out two glasses, and and you say, now you're each gonna get the same amount. Well, this glass is taller, and so you sort of measure, everyone gets half half a glass of chocolate milk, and you pour it in here. Let me see a little bit more. Oh, perfect, and then, then you take out this cup, and you pour it full of chocolate milk. And you say, okay, both got the same. And you hand it to a seven-year-old. You have to say, that's not fair. His glasses is taller than mine. That's not fair. Their cup is what? Filled to the brim of my not." Well, you just watched me. You each got half. And they're going to say what? That's not fair. Because they think concretely. For some, if it's a taller glass, it means more. If it's a fatter glass, they get more. Children sometimes cannot think abstractly. They think concretely. Or have you ever had that happen? Uh, You you pour in two different sized bowls cheese puffs. He got more cheese puffs than me. Or she got more ice cream than me. You ever had that happen? And the point I'm trying to get to, uh, whether the glass is a tall glass or a fat glass, is that children have an innate sense of justice of what's right and wrong. Now, if you want me to illustrate this further, any of you have multiple kids and you have a younger kid than the older kid, if you ever want to ask your children about justice, Ask the older kid about what he or she couldn't do compared to the younger what sibling. I never got to do that. I had to wait till I was 18 to date. You gave him the car keys in 16. I had to wait to 17. You're right. You ever had that happen? Because children have an innate sense of what? Justice of what is right and wrong. So we know what that's like. Fairness makes What? Sense. A labor is worth their what? Wage. Equal pay for equal what? Work. You reap what you sow. A fool and his money are soon departed. Lady justice is blind. Well done, good and faithful servant. We understand. We understand justice in the same way we don't like injustice. Now I'm not getting involved in a general motor strike, but there's injustice there. But I think everybody here knows about injustice. She picked him over me. Why did my loved one have to die so soon? Why did this have to end like this? That person is gone too soon. We have, that person got a job promotion. I should have been picked. Why do I have to sit the bench? Justice is something that's innate in us. Something that God's given to us. Justice is something that we learn. And so, we come to today's parable. I'll get more on that later. But let me explain uh, the story that was just read to you in the gospel like this. So my lovely wife and I, we're we're traveling back from uh, Seattle uh, to Illinois, and we're traveling through Salt Lake City. And so we decided early in the morning, let's fill up at Sam's. And so we pull into the Sam's parking lot. There's like a hundred guys standing around, all around the Sam's parking lot. And I said, well, this is sort of interesting. Because of Sam's pump begin at eight. And so we begin pumping my pickup full of gas. And then a pickup comes and talks about six guys. And they jump in the pickup and they go away. And then a farm truck comes and they pick up like twenty people and goes away. Then a car came, picked up four or five people up to talk and go away. And you know who those about hundred guys are? They're all what? Day laborers. And I think what happens is they make a deal. You work this long. For this amount, I'll pay you this much. And so we're just watching that, saying it's all very interesting. I think maybe out in out in Salt Lake City or other places out west, that's how they do business. So in today's parable, Jesus tells a story about a bunch of people who show up at the Sam's parking lot early in the morning, and the owner says, "Well, you come work for me for the day. I get a hundred dollars." And, and then the owner comes back out nine and says, "Come and work." Work for me. Then the worker comes out and gets some. Then the laborer comes out and gets some more workers at noon, and gets some more people at three, and some more workers at five. And so they're all working various hours. And the time came for them to get paid. And so he lined up all the workers from those who came at five to three to noon, nine in the morning, and six in the morning. And the manager takes out a crisp hundred-dollar bill and gives it to those who came at five. Then he gives a crisp five-dollar bill. Uh, I'm sorry, crisp hundred-dollar bill to those who came at three. And that the people who came at six are saying, we're going to get a couple crisp $100 bills. Just wait. Because we worked what? Yeah, we we bore the sweat of the day. And then those who came at noon got a $100 bill. And those who came at nine in the morning got a $100 bill. And those who came at six, guess what they got? $100 bill. And guess what they're saying? That's not what? We worked all day. But they only worked one hour. And everybody... No matter what time they came to work, they got picked up at the Sam's parking lot, they all got paid the what? It doesn't seem to make sense, does it? It's not fair. That's not right. I worked all day. They just showed up the last hour and everybody got the same pay. Well, friends in Christ, parables are really iron fist in a velvet glove. Whenever Jesus tells a parable, someone's getting struck. Someone's being made to think. Someone's getting put out of their comfort zone. Someone's being struck with some truth. Parables are not nice stories for nice children nice classrooms by nice teachers. Throw that out of your head. That's not what parables are. They're iron fists. So let me go ahead and explain this parable to you, okay? Can you read that? Jesus, what, what type of story is this? That people who work all day get paid the same as come from an hour? God's ways are not our ways. Go ahead, can you read this for me? Now, let me give you the backdrop on that. We're saying that God's ways and our ways. So, Jesus tells his disciple, I need to go to Jerusalem and I need to suffer and die and rise. And Peter says, Whoa! <laughs> That's not part of my plan, Jesus. So, Peter takes the God of creation aside and begins lecturing God, right? This must never happen to you because you, Jesus, go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. Maybe I'm going to have to what? suffer and die Jesus my plan was that you get in the palace and because I'm your roadie I get a place in the palace too but God's ways are not what? God's ways are very different than our ways let's go ahead and read this please and that was read to you from the Old Testament lesson so how do we explain this parable? that the people who came six in the morning got paid the same as those who came at five in the, morning, or five in the afternoon or those who came in the last hour got paid the same as those who work all day. Let me explain some more, okay? God can what? Does God need to explain himself to us? God can do whatever he wants because he's who? God. Martin Luther said, let God be God. There's a picture in my office Um, and someone gave it to me, and it's a picture of Jesus smiling. And what I was told as a pastor, whenever you think you know something or have a good idea, look at Jesus. Because God is God, and I am not. God can do what? What he wants. Okay? God is generous. Who are we to complain of his generosity? If God wants to pay someone who comes at five in the afternoon the same as someone who comes at six o'clock, In the morning, who are we to what? Complain, because God is basically what? God, and he is generous. He is kind. Now here, when these people are complaining, Jesus shows us his compassion. He calls the laborers his what? Friends. Today's Friendship Sunday. You are friends of a generous God. In John, there's the same illustration about workers in the vineyard And he calls those people his beloved, his loved ones. You see, he's generous. Those people that got picked up in Sam's parking lot just aren't workers to make money, but they're friends and they're loved ones because God is generous. And so the Lutheran question from the catechism, can you all read that? Now, it's been a while since you read the catechism because I teach it every year. There's always the question, what? What does it mean for us? Martin Luther wants to make sure that we think. Okay, he always asks, "What does it mean for us?" Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. Can you read that? God wants to pay someone who comes at five. The same way someone comes six in the morning, he can. That's a picture of who? So I was at uh, the Nashville Opryland um, Hotel for the Christian Counselor Convention. There's about seven thousand of us. And then we have some friends who live in northern Tennessee. We went to go visit them. And they were telling, telling me about Dolly Parton. Now, Dolly Parton, uh, Dollywood, which is in, like Gatlinburg and Sevierville, you know, I'm familiar with. Uh, the exit there, they just got a new Bucky's. It takes you right there, okay? But anyways, do you know about the Maui fires and the whole area that got destroyed? Dolly Parton said this, for every family that lost their home, I will give you a thousand dollars a month until your home's repaired, re- re- replaced. Dolly Parton, Christian, is that generous? Yes, very generous. God's generosity is unfair. Let's continue. What does this mean for us? God's generosity gives eternal life. Can you read the verse with me? Now, let me give you the backdrop on that story. There's this rich man comes to Jesus and said, "Jesus, what do I have to do to get eternal life?" Now, if you're a person who thinks that you're going to work your way to heaven, give it up. God demands perfection. None of us are. You can't do anything to work your way to heaven. But he thinks so. Jesus, what, what commandments do I have to think? And Jesus throws out a bunch and said, I've done it all. And then Jesus said this, take all your possessions, give to the poor and follow me. And you can't do it. Why? Because the man's God is his what? Money. What commandment is that where our heart is someplace else? The first commandment, you shall have no other What? And the disciples heard this. The disciples said, Well, hold on here. If that man can't keep the, all the commandments, and we don't keep the commandments, and I, your pastor, don't keep all the commandments, do you keep all the commandments? None of us are perfect. Then how are we saved? Well, Jesus said this with God, all things are possible because God is what? Generous, kind, and forgiving. He's generous, to God, all things are possible. The cross isn't fair, the cross wasn't fair at all. Because a person who had no sin had to die there for you and I who are sinners. There's this Lutheran hymn we sing. I'd like to share some words with you. It says this. Why what hath my Lord done what makes this rage and spite? He made the lame man run. He gave the blind their sight. The death for Jesus is unfair to him. But it's gracious to us because God is generous to us. Signed, sealed, and delivered by Christ's death and resurrection. I want to ask you who seems concerned about fairness now? We're very concerned about God being fair when someone dies early in life or we get dumped by a loved one or maybe lose a job, we don't get a promotion. But very rarely do we complain of how gracious and forgiving God is to us. Hey, that's not fair. I got forgiven. I messed up this past week. That's not fair. I mess up all the time. Nobody ever complains like that, neither do I. But God is gracious and generous. Can I ask you, are you a person who believes in deathbed conversions? Do you believe that a person on their deathbed, hours, days, weeks before their death, can come to faith, even though they weren't a believer their whole life, what do you say, yes or no? Because those who come to work at 5 o'clock receive the same grace of those who come at 6 o'clock. I believe in deathbed conversions too. We bring God's mercy and grace to them. We don't say, oh, no, nope, not you. Haven't been in church the last 40 years. Too bad. Okay. Do you remember on the cross, the thief said, I sort of see it as a deathbed conversion. Lord, remember me when you come into your what? And what did Jesus say to him? Truly I say to you today that today you'll be with me where? In paradise. Yes, absolutely. I believe in deathbed conversions. And by the way, today, why does the day exist? Well, it's the fifth hour for people to come to faith and know of God's generosity. So how do we treat the least of these? How do we treat people who get on our nerve? How do we treat people who are mean to us? How do we treat people in our classrooms that seem a little odd? How do we treat people that sometimes don't look like us or don't think the same way that we think? How do we treat people who don't know the same things that we know? Well, we're called to be what? Generous, just like we treat those who come late to the vineyard with God's generosity. And you know what? You meet these people all the time. You meet them in Culver's. You meet them in hallways. You meet them in doorways. You meet them in line at Walmart. You meet them in your workplace. You meet them in the ball fields. You go watch your child or grandchild play sports. You meet them at the water coolers. And as God is generous to us, what does God call us to be? generous to them no matter who they are. Why? Those who come at the fifth hour, God loves and welcomes as well. That's our prayer for our hope for a church and school. We welcome all as friends for Christ died for them, even though they come at a different time, even though they might be a little bit different, don't know everything we know. We're generous to them. So friends in Christ, how about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? And, all God's people say...